Welcome to another exciting edition of the Dr. Funk Podcast. And now, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podcast Bay FM, and soon to be YouTube. Thank you guys so much. We have a very, very special guest, uh, the one and only Afshin Shahidi, who just has a new book out that is on the New York Times bestseller, the top 15, called Prince of Private View. Afshin, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, man, it's my pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I always have to start off like this, because this is how when I first started talking with you, we would talk, Shetori. Chetori Khuba Mercy. I love mercy. it. Yeah. That's great. Man, Afshin, like what a whirlwind the past two years have been. And I'm really glad that your book came out. I remember when you first started talking to me about it when you were when it was just an idea and you're wanting it to come out. What inspired you to put out the book? Uh, truthfully, it, it was all the all the Prince fans that really inspired me because, mm-hmm. first of all, I never I never expected that that Prince would be gone before me. I always thought and hoped that he would show up to my funeral. Right. So that was that was very shocking. Uh, so I thought of doing a book like this had never crossed my mind. Um, and when he unfortunately passed, it, it it was difficult for me to even think about or go go back through any of the images that I had. They just brought back so many memories. And it was the fans reaching out. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of you guys knew that I worked with parents for a period of time and, and that I had these images. Uh, and so a lot of people reached out to me asking, you know, hey, are you going to do anything? Do you, are you going to do a book? So I started thinking more and more about it. And, and I just felt like it would be really selfish of me to, to keep all these images for myself. And really, it's uh the the same way that prince made music you know he made it for his fans uh i i thought that they would also enjoy these images from uh from the time of of me working with them right and this journey with prince started back in 1993 with uh with a phone call while you're in minnesota correct that's right it it actually started with a page i had a pager page. back then yeah and uh <laughs> And I responded to the page hoping uh, hoping that it was for work, and it was. Uh, but the lady uh, on the other end of the phone that I called back was asking if I knew how to load film, which back in, in those days, there was nothing digital. We were shooting motion, motion pictures and mm-hmm. music videos, and everything was shot on film. And she asked me if I knew how to load film. And I didn't, but I told her I did because I thought I, I had a few days to, to learn. And at that moment, I didn't know what it was for. All she said is, I, we're doing a music video. I said, oh, who's it for? She said, I can't say. Do you know how to load film? I said, yeah. And uh, then she said, great, we need you out here right now. And I'm like, what? Wait. And I tried to get out of it. And she said, yeah, we're in Stillwater, or in um, Chanhassen. And uh, get here as soon as you can. And the second she said Chanhassen, for, for anyone that knows Prince, knows Paisley Park is in Chanhassen. And I knew right. that. Uh, and I'm like, yes, I'll be there. So that that was kind of my foot into the door into Paisley Park, uh, and then it all just went from there. That's crazy. I don't know if you remember what it was. But I do remember the first time I ever saw your name credited on something was for the Beautiful Experience movie. Mm-hmm. 
I worked on that. The, the first thing that I worked on, quite honestly, I don't know. I was in such shock and awe of being there and, right. and so nervous, too, at the same time. What I can tell you is this, because I, I know his catalog pretty pretty well. It was not a song that's been released. Uh, both the video and the song have not been released because I would have I would it would have been ingrained in my head. Right. But I can't I can't tell you what it was. Um, but it was it was quite the uh, quite the entrance into the Prince world because uh, on that production the director of photography who they had hired from L.A. got fired. Um, probably within three hours of me being there. <laughs> wow! So it was it was interesting to see just how quickly and how fluid things were, and and, and uh, you know, it was like okay, don't like what you. I don't know if it was something he did or said or the style of lighting that he was doing, but you know, it really just kind of opened my eye to to how temporary things could be. Right. Craziness. Was there anything aside from that? that hasn't been released that you worked on that you wish would be released like a video or a music project just curious uh, well again so much of that work happened because that happened between 93 and 2001 right so i don't i the things that haven't been released besides remembering hearing it and thinking wow that's really cool uh i don't i didn't necessarily have the titles for it you know what mm -hmm. i mean so I remember working on on music videos and some of the things that we worked on uh, recently once kind of YouTube opened up and, and started, you know, um, showing all the different videos. Some of those things somehow made their way uh, onto the web. But there was a lot yeah. of stuff that we did that at the time just seemed really risque. And, you know, I'm um, like even MTV in the U.S. is never going to play this. It's just too it's too sexy or, 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 or too it wasn't graphic necessarily. <clears throat> but it was just kind of out there uh, from e everything else that was being shown. So, and and sure enough, those things kind of never made it on, uh, you know, onto the air in the states. I assumed maybe they were they were playing in France or in Europe or somewhere. Right. I don't. So I wish I could tell you. And for all the the, the you know, uh, Prince encyclopedias out there, I wish I could tell you the name of of some of these things. But I don't know. I just remember thinking, wow, the the song is funky as heck. Right. And the visuals are never going to be on American TV. <laughs> and you went through like with 93, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on aside from people getting let go within three hours of being there from <clears throat> being Prince to being the symbol. Then through 2001, him reclaiming his name. You went right. through a very weird and interesting period with him through that. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. So when I first met him, it was during the, the slave era. So he had slave written across his face. Mm -hmm. He was uh, he was a little more aloof. You know, uh, like I said in the book, they literally told you, and it just sounds like such a cliche to talk about rock stars this way, but they said, okay, whatever you do, don't look at him, don't make eye contact. And right. you kind of laugh like, yeah, okay, that's just, you know, uh a cliche thing that people say, but that's that's what they told me, and I did the exact opposite because the second I walked into Paisley Park, all I could do was was stare at him. It was it was hard not to. Um, so there was that phase. There was the phase with with the name change when he became the artist, and it was funny because anyone you know, friends and family in Minnesota that knew that I had started kind of working out there on on different productions. You know, I was the guy they would come and ask, okay, so what's the, what's the story behind this? Like I knew everything about it. 
um, you know, it's fascinating because to the outside world, it just seemed like such a random eccentric act for him to change his name to uh, a symbol, you know, right. Unpronounceable symbol. But, but once you found out the idea and the business savvy behind it because Warner Brothers owned the name Prince and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to put out an album without the name Prince on there. Now what are you going to do? So it was, <laughs> it was brilliant, you know, but, but people that didn't know, didn't know. And they just assumed he was, um, he was being strange. Yes. Strange. But, mm-hmm. uh, compared in you know, and Michael Jackson was Disneyland and Prince was the weird one at that time. Right. Just interesting. Now, right. How did you make the transition from what you were doing to becoming his photographer? I know it was probably just some random thing that happened, but, you know, and you just have to say, yeah, of course I know how to do it. But how difficult was it making that transition? Well, that transition was, it happened really quickly from becoming a cinematographer to his photographer. And it's not something that I was, that I was pursuing, Mm -hmm. um, so many times uh, I've seen Prince see things in people that they may not see in themselves. And so I think he saw that in me that, that I would be a good photographer, that, that we would click and collaborate well together. But what did take a while was me transitioning from being a technician on set, you know, a loader, a focus puller, the guy that hits the slate, to becoming his, uh, his cinematographer and, and shooting um, some of the music videos and some of the film projects. And that took a little bit more time, but again, he saw my passion. And so many times when I was out there, you know, the camera crew would be from, from Los Angeles and I'd be the only Minnesota guy out there. Uh, and he saw my passion. He gave me some early opportunities. I remember I was literally what they call a second AC. I was the guy that holds the slate and, you know, hits it and says, you know, take two or whatever. Uh, and the operator that they had was not able to get the shot that, that Prince wanted. Uh, just for whatever reason, it wasn't clicking. And Prince just looked right. over at me, and he was used to seeing me, but we didn't have really, aside from just very technical conversation, like, okay, you're going to stand here, I'll put a mark. You know, we didn't, there, there was nothing beyond that. But he looked over at me, and he's like, can you do the shot? And I was kind of torn because I didn't want to step on the feet of the, the people that were my, you know, my bosses per se, you know, the, the director of photography and the operator. But I also wanted to have this opportunity. So I looked over at the, at the DP who was from L.A., really nice guy. And, you know, he was a little flustered up to that point because the shot wasn't working and, and, and you know, Prince wasn't happy with what was happening. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulder and said, kind of like, go ahead. So I told Prince, I said, yeah, I can, I can do it. And he's like, what would you do differently? Hmm. And he was his big, uh, his, his purple is more lavender, but lavender purple grand piano. Right. Uh, and he said, all the angles I've ever seen of you playing are the angles everyone sees, you know, from the side, from the black, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think I should shoot down from over the top. And he said, okay, do it. And next thing I know, I went from being the guy that hits the slate to standing on top of Prince's piano with a camera in my hands, you know, filming him play the piano incredibly. Right. And so from that point, and he saw me, in, you know, in a different way, in a more uh, creative way. And so I started getting calls to come out there and be an operator. And then slowly that transitioned into me becoming, you know, one of the cinematographers that he worked with a few people, but I was one of the people that would, would come out there and, and shoot these different projects and work on these different projects. So that then, 
connected with uh, connected me with him uh, a little closer, a little more intimately. We had creative discussions versus really brief technical discussions. Right. Uh, and I think because of that, he got to know me uh, a little bit better. And then the, the jump to photography was literally a, an accident. I had um, uh, I had my still camera in a in a case and it was winter in minnesota and i didn't want to leave it in the car i was out at paisley working on something i didn't want to leave the camera in the car where it would freeze so i brought it in and and prince was very curious and he saw that i had this big silver case uh and he said what do you have in the case and i said oh that's my still camera and he said oh you're a still photographer too (laughs) and and i wasn't i was a hobbyist you know Mm -hmm. I, i took pictures of my wife i did some headshots here and there I tried to do some artsy stuff, but I would never have billed myself as a as a still photographer, even though I was working as a cinematographer. Right. Uh, and so I, I I did a kind of like, well, yeah, I'm trying kinda, and and he walked away, and then um, yeah, I got a call from his producer saying Prince would like to see your portfolio. At the time, I didn't have I didn't have a portfolio, didn't know what a portfolio should really look like, but. Uh, and I tried to explain that to her, and she said, uh, well, he's expecting you tomorrow. <laughs> so I figured if, if Prince is asking me for a portfolio, I better come up with a portfolio. So I went home, and I started printing, uh, and I and I have some of them, and I sent Prince one of the pictures later on. It's a picture of my wife in, with cornrows, and I had put it in Photoshop and tried to do some funky stuff with it and make it look psychedelic and stuff. But I, I sent that to him uh, asking if he remembered that picture. That was one of the first things I ever showed him of my work. But so I had pictures of my wife and some headshots and some of the other stuff that I printed. And I stayed up all night printing these these pictures to show him. Uh, and I was really nervous just because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to show Prince, you know, these little hobby photos that I've snapped when he's been photographed by Avedon and Herb Ritz and, you know, these amazing photographers. Right. <clears throat> and, and he spent, you know, the majority of his life in front of the camera. Uh, and this is what I'm going to show him. So... I stayed up all night anyway, and I and I printed him, and I went in uh, to Paisley the next day, and and I gave him the, the portfolio, and he thumbed through it really quickly, you know, chuckled a couple of times, and then handed it back to me and just walked away, and I was like, wow, okay, that was neither good or bad, is kind of what I expected. I mean, shoot, if I was him, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have hired me as a photographer based on that portfolio. You know, I had all these these thoughts and ideas going through my head, and as I as I'm leaving. The producer runs up to me and she's like, uh, Prince would like to know if you can come back and photograph his band. Hmm. And it, like I had said in the book, it was the furthest thing from from what I expected based on how the his viewing of my portfolio had gone. But also, right. I was just nervous. Like, okay, what do I do? Um, but anyway, it all started from there. And after I shot the band, I'm, I'm going to make this a little shorter. Now I'm, I'm just blabbing. But okay. once I shot his band and I showed him those images, he loved them and... Uh, and I was asked to come and photograph him, even though he had already been photographed. And this was all what ended up going into um, the One Night Alone tour book. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had already been photographed by a couple of great photographers, but he wanted me to photograph him. And I did. And, and when I went back and showed him those images, uh, it's when he asked me himself if I would go on tour with them. Uh, and that was the One Night Alone tour. And that's really what changed everything and and right. you know our connection and our collaboration and everything deepened as a result of being on the road and, and kind of spending that intimate time with them right and this book is so amazing i, I have didn't even get to say that from the beginning congrats on it being on the Thanks. new york times bestseller but 
I love the book. I love the images you chose. A lot of it because um, these tours were very important to me and also to Prince history. Like we saw a few peaks and valleys that were happening with the name change, with the drop, and he was kind of ridiculed in the business a little bit around 2000, 2001. Then he reclaimed his name. And with the One Night Alone tour, it showed his amazing musicianship. And for you to be on that tour, and I'm sure some days blended into other days, but the musicianship on that tour with that band, and you're seeing him playing these smaller venues, I know it had to be in your head, like, there's no way you can keep someone with this much talent down. And you're able to photograph that before the Musicology tour, but... Even if it was just him playing like 6,000 seater places, the talent and this tour must have been so amazing for you to take in and also be the photographer for it. Oh, man, it, it was phenomenal. Like you said, the musicianship of, of Prince obviously is is unquestionable, but the band that he had assembled mm-hmm. with them. And for me, the, it was a blessing that to have... I was a big Maceo Parker fan, and I didn't realize that that Maceo was going to be on this tour, right. you know, on many of the dates. So that was a, a added bonus. But really, it was—I mean, it was—it was the the tour, the one night alone was. He played a few hits towards the end. I think fans expected it, but mm-hmm. it was a it was a smoother, jazzier, uh, more musical um, version of Prince, and I really loved it because I hadn't seen that live before, and and fans really responded to it especially in in europe uh and so that that was phenomenal and like you said i i said okay you know this i think that got his appetite uh going to tour again and to do to do something bigger which then culminated into into the musicology tour but i feel like i came along in terms of photography during a time when when prince had become a more mature artist he he had come fully into himself you know what I mean? Yeah. He had he had yeah. done he had experimented and all genres and he still did all genres, but he had I think he had just figured out who he wanted to be. And so that's that's when I came in and I feel like I you know, those were fantastic years. Outside right. of two things I always said, outside of being one of the band members, you know, because I think that w- that would be probably the best job in the world. I feel like I had the second best job in the world because I got to hang out with them. Uh and then to to watch and hear him play and then to listen to these guys uh discuss the you know the shows afterwards there's this shorthand that musicians have uh, amongst each other that it's just i could sit and listen to them talk about music right <laughs> all day you know it's 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 entrancing and mesmerizing for me so that was that was really uh, a blessing and and you know it changed the the direction of my life and my career and this tour was like the first real tour that the music club was implemented and the fans were getting the best seats. It was something that they were a part of before the musicology explosion, the one night alone tour. And for him to tour, basically the one night alone tour was touring behind the rainbow children album, which wasn't one of his best sellers. However, the musicianship and the tracks that they played, whether it was, uh, pulling stuff from previous material that he's never performed before, like Other Side of the Pillow, or even doing right. the cover of La La Means I Love You. It was just important. And for you to be a part of that must have been amazing. And then within two years, 
and you knew it was going to happen. I mean, everything was aligning. The Purple Rain 20th anniversary, him being inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then to kick it off, basically, although he did a few uh, performances at House of Blues LA and Vegas, but to kick right. it off with the Grammys with Beyonce and you being able to photograph those moments. Did you know at the time how altering that was about to be for Prince's career with uh, performing with Beyonce? I, I didn't know at the time. I mean, I knew, I knew it was amazing. She, she is, you know, a, ta- a huge talent in her own right. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, it was cool to watch them kind of fanboy and fangirl over each other. That was, it was really sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't realize what, what was going to happen. I, I remember him talking about doing, you know, a tour, a bigger U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know what was going to happen. But I'm going to just go back real quick because you were talking about One Night Alone and the, and the mm-hmm. music club. And that's really important too because, like you said, it was the I think one of the first tours where the music club was implemented and and the fans were getting the the better seats and they got mm-hmm. to come in earlier and and listen to a part of the sound check. And what was really special for me is that I got to act to, to meet a lot of these fans personally, uh, and then to see them you know from city to city and get to know them. And so that was really cool. And I think you know, a lot of it's a lot of those people that, that reached out to me, the ones that had seen me around for, for so long and here and there that reached out to me, you know, asking about the possibility of a book. Um, so that was special. And then the fact that he had the music club also uh, is another reason why I was around so much because most of my images were the, were being made to service the music club were to, right. to add right. to his online music club. Otherwise, Nobody would need that many pictures of themselves. You know what I mean? And I always wondered, where are these mm-hmm. going? But then, uh, you know, I was working with Sam Jennings, who was running the music club and, and was back in the States kind of, you know, uh, overseeing it all. And I would send him images. And that's where a lot of my work at first right. um, was shown. So that was very important. Now, not only with that, you did the One Night Alone live box set. and majority of your photos were used in that as well. Mm-hmm. And also amazing shot that's in the book of Prince with his guitar. You have it in front um, from the One Night Alone era. And that was sold as a poster during the celebration shows for Xenophobia that year. And I had to pick up a couple because that was amazing. And the paper that was printed on. And I still haven't framed it. I had so many things framed. But that one is one of my favorite posters I really need to get framed. And that's just an amazing shot. And you knew it as well as you were talking about it in the book. And another one of my favorite shots was the one that we were talking about with Beyonce at rehearsal. It just seemed like an amazing, amazing shot that you were able to capture. Yeah, that w- that was very cool. I mean, I think like I said in the book, even during the dress rehearsal and the sound check, it was just electrifying, you know, mm-hmm. between. So the performance, the live performance was a hundred times more, but, but even before that, it was really cool. And Prince had, um, and I think she talked about this before, but typically a, a lot of these performances, the artists get together maybe the day before and, right. and do it. And what Prince had suggested and, and Beyonce was open to, they rehearsed for a week, um, not on the soundstage, but over at, at SIR studios where, where bands often go to rehearse for tours and concerts and whatnot. Right. And so they would get together for a couple hours a week. And I remember the first time um, that I saw Beyonce and him, he had called me to come over to, to the 
SIR rehearsal stages, and I didn't know what was happening. You know, it was obviously a big secret that the two of them were going to open the show. Uh, and I got there, and, and Prince was there, and I was just kind of chatting with him. And then I heard some commotion behind me, and I turned around, and Prince said, excuse me to me, and walked up, and it was it was Beyonce and, and just a handful of her people um, with her. And I'm like, wow, what's happening? And I thought maybe she's also just rehearsing in the, you know, the next studio over and was just coming to say hi. And then she came in and took her coat off, and I'm like, oh, my God, okay. And it kind of started, you know, I started figuring out what was what was about to happen. <laughs> That tour, I mean, from, I was having an argument with someone a couple of years before the one island tour that Prince is going to start selling out Staples Center and, and yeah. they didn't believe me. And I go, not only will he sell out Staples Center, he's going to sell it out multiple nights. They went, you're crazy. I go, everything's lining up. All mm-hmm. you, you have the rock and roll hall of fame, 20th anniversary Super brain. All you need is one big moment and that Grammy moment was the one big moment that just catapulted everything. Not only that, with him doing Leno and uh, Ellen, and of course the Leno he did for the One Night Alone tour with the Everlasting Now, and you're able to get shots of him with Sheila in the hallway of The Tonight Show, and then you get shots of Prince watching his performance The Tonight Show Mm -hmm. back, wearing his very interesting hoodie outfit. Right. but those were things he did all the time. He would constantly watch video of himself and see mistakes that we wouldn't even see, right? Right. Oh, of course. And like you were saying, though, that I think all those moments at the beginning of 2004 really set it up for musicology to be the, mm-hmm. the success that it was. But those moments, like the the Grammys and him on Leno, just reminded people of why they loved Prince. You right. know what I mean? You know, the hardcore fans have always loved him and have always followed him. But the rest of the country was like, oh, my God, yeah, Prince. And, mm-hmm. again, going back to what I said, he, he was a mature, more accessible artist all of a sudden for them as well. Right. You know what I mean? So for, for middle America that may not understand it fully, it's like, okay, they, they saw him now, you know, not as the guy with slave written on his face or, or a dude that wears crazy clothes and, and has changed his name. But it just went back to the music and it became about the music. And so that really did set it up uh, for that tour to be, you know, phenomenal. And and again, I feel so blessed that I was um, able to be there. Absolutely. I was going to talk about that because as we're saying, the one night alone, you're playing these small venues and then musicology. Some places were 20,000. And I know when he played, uh, I believe he played the, the Superdome around July 4th. That's a huge place. I mean, how, yeah. how'd you feel like just with the one on tour, like I said, one night alone tour with it being small venues and now he's selling out night after night in major cities and you were a yeah, part it, of it. It, it. it was overwhelming. And if, and if I just think about, you know, just my aspect of what I had to do, there was a couple of things to it. One, um, it's a huge, huge arena and he's playing in the round and he's everywhere. And I'm the only photographer in the whole place. You know, it's not even like it's a thrust stage where where he's in front of me and I could be anywhere, you know, standing in front and I have him in front of me. I I had to chase him around the stage and I got to know the show well enough that I anticipated where he was. But I just I felt a responsibility since I was the only person in there capturing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, these moments. I felt the responsibility of of doing, you know, as best a job as I possibly could because there was nobody there else there to get the shot if I didn't get it. 
So that was that that was a bit overwhelming at first. I remember because he started musicology off. He started in Reno technically, but but it was the Staples Center, which was kind of the big showcase right. um, opening for it. And for that, I hired a few assistants, you know, hmm. um, and and I needed them to be able to for me to figure out the show, to hand off cameras and cards and stuff. But then once we went on the road, it wasn't really practical or economical for me to have any assistance. So then I did all the rest of it, you know, myself. Um, right. And I just had to have two or three cameras on me and a, and a ton of cards. Um, at that by that point, I was shooting digital, a ton of cards. So it made my my days and nights really long because after a long night of shooting, then I would have to download everything, and then we would run off, and he would play, you know, an after show somewhere, and I would photograph that. Then I would download all those cards, and then I'd have you know thousands of images <laughs> from that night that I would sit and edit through. Then I would meet up with Prince at you know the wee hours, and you know all about that. Um, but the wee hours, and and then we would go through and, and look at these images. So uh, it was fun. It was exciting. It was tiring, um, and yeah, I would I would do it all over again if I could. Right now, <clears throat> I know originally Prince would say that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wasn't a big deal, but I know. Mm-hmm. When he was there leading up to it and afterwards, he thought it was pretty amazing. And again, something you were able to photograph in one of the more interesting photos in the book, even though it wasn't the, the day of, but Prince just basically walking the streets of New York and you being able to photograph him. Now, that's another thing that was amazing to me is that Prince allowed you more so freedom than any other photographer they ever had. It seemed like some of this stuff was kind of done off the cuff and he just agreed to it. It didn't say delete it or let me look at it, but it was just such an amazing experience where you, you didn't have to talk him into that or anything. Did you, you just kind of feels like you just took out your camera out and you just started taking photos. Well, th- that, the, the walk over, it wasn't like I had to talk him or beg him to do it, right. but I did ask him because he, I, I was standing outside of the hotel we were staying at. Um, and I saw him getting in his limo, you know, the, the driver opened the door and there's Prince getting in. And I ran over and, and I was like, Prince, the, the Waldorf is only like two blocks away. Um, do you mind walking? And, you know, at that point, I felt comfortable enough where I felt like I could I could do that. And he would either say I expected him to say no, but, you know, that was the worst that it would be. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's. And so just the two of us went and he, he didn't even bring a bodyguard so the two of us walked through the streets of new york together and and i photographed him uh, and i stayed kind of far enough away where it wasn't obvious that i was photographing him and so what was interesting is a lot of people just didn't you know couldn't comprehend the fact that there's prince walking amongst them um so they would kind of look over but no one really knew or recognized him they just thought okay here's a you know a, a guy dressed you know very cool and um, he seems kind of familiar. I don't know why. Uh, and we walked and then I, I was a little bit, I told him, yeah, it's a couple blocks away, but I didn't know exactly where it was. So I was afraid that I was going to get us lost and that, you know, I'd be the guy that got Prince lost on the way to the rock and roll hall of fame, uh, rehearsals. Right. But luckily, luckily, uh, my, my sense of direction kicked in and, and we made it there. And he really, um, I think he enjoyed that walk because it's not something that he got to do often to just kind of be out and about. And also, you know, it was interesting that nobody bothered him. Nobody really recognized him. And so he enjoyed it. And when we got to the Waldorf, he thanked me, 
you know, and didn't say why, but he just he was like, thank you, Afshin. I'm like, of course. <laughs> it was very sweet. Right. That's just amazing to me that you just had these moments of him. And for other people that may not know, it was kind of like that with your Prince in Hawaii book, which we'll get into. Um, I just wanted to bring it up, just the access that you were able to get with him even in that book. I do want to talk about, but first it's like, I don't, Musicology was his biggest tour, his most successful tour, but I don't think people know that there was going to be another leg to the tour, wasn't there? There was, and it was good. He was going to basically turn that into a big world tour. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and, and he ended up going and doing Australia and, and a few other, uh, few other places but not under the musicology kind of headline so right. it, it was talks and i think you know everything was lined up and we even shot i, I flew to, to minneapolis and went to paisley and we even shot some images that you see in there like you know the, the picture of of prince in red square was a picture that we comped together but we were messing around with some images for the world tour book right. and, and the places that he was thinking of going so we were you know, trying to find cool things about each of those places to utilize as backgrounds for, for these images. So I was really excited. Everybody else was really excited about the prospect of, of taking what was really huge in the United mm -hmm. States. You know, we were sure it was going to be even bigger uh, outside of the States. And for whatever reason, and I don't know exactly why he, he chose not to, um, not to do it. You know, he started focusing in on, on some music. We started making the film 3121. Right. So I think, you know, being being the artist that he is um, and what was fascinating is a lot of people just didn't understand that he's an artist. And, yeah, he needs to make money, but he wasn't motivated by money. So they were dumbfounded that he would turn down, you know, the hundreds of millions that he could have made by going uh, overseas and taking this tour right. to to pursue some creative endeavor, to pursue this film or to pursue, you know, making it another album or or. or you know, bringing up one of his protégés. Right. And even without that, the Musicology Tour grossed over $92 million. And there yeah. was still Huge. money left on the table. Absolutely. Um, now, when it came to the Prince in Hawaii book, we kind of got all surprised by that because all of a sudden, the book wasn't sold through Amazon. There wasn't his Amazon yet. We didn't hear about it through Barnes & Noble. All of a sudden, someone was telling that there's this new Prince book called Prince in Hawaii, and only a bookstore in Hawaii was originally selling the book. And I'm sure they had a lot of sales. I believe the book was originally $50, and now it's going for insane amounts on different books, book things. But again, you had this access to him that no one else had. You were able to get in his face. And it just started by him inviting you and your family on a on a trip to Hawaii, but at the same time telling you to bring your camera, right? Well, he invited, yeah, he invited me to Hawaii. And of course, I'm going to bring my, he didn't have to ask me to bring my camera. I just, mm -hmm. uh, one, I thought it was a given, but two, you know, I would have, I would have brought it regardless. Um, but then he gave me this access, you know, mm -hmm. to, to photograph him. And he was relaxed. I think there was something about Hawaii um, that, that entranced him and let him, you know, put his guard down and he played a few shows. He put, he played a couple right. of shows. They were outdoors. They were fantastic. Well, actually the one in Honolulu wasn't outdoors, but the one in Maui, um, which is where we really hung out and, and spent most of the time was outdoors. 
And it was just the most laid back. It wasn't a crazy schedule where, you know, you finished a show and then we had to get on the bus to get to the next town. It was just the most chill time possible. Uh, and he was having a great time. And he had a house there that, that we all went to and hung out at. And, you know, he'd play basketball. He had a hoop up, you know, on his garage like right. everybody else in the world and played basketball. And he got on his moped and rode around and. So it was really chill, and I and I had my my camera, and obviously I took pictures. And when we got back, I sent him a bunch of the pictures, and I said, "Hey, Prince, you know, I took these. I, I hope you like them." And literally uh, two, three days later, uh, he called me and he said, "Hey, I want to make a book out of the pictures," <laughs> which which was very cool. And I told him, "I'm like, if I knew you were making a book, I would have taken better pictures." <laughs> right. You know. Wow. Um, and he's like, no, these are, these are great. I'm going to make a book. And so he put the book together, you know, and, and I contributed just some ideas and thoughts about what it should be. And then he also surprised me because I had taken pictures my, of my daughter, Yara, and my son, Saeed, um, who were, you know, with us on this, on this trip and vacation. And he included those pictures in the book. And I didn't expect that. And I thought that was, that was really sweet. Right. Now you go from the Prince in Hawaii book, the Musicology Tour. Mm-hmm. Now, he starts renting a house in L.A. and yeah. trying to be like Sinatra back in the day and having these insane, crazy house parties. Not only would he perform or have Tamar perform, but basically everybody that was a name was on the guest list to get to these parties. Mm-hmm. Like, how insane was that? Uh, it was nutty, and the and the first one, I didn't know what to expect. You know, uh. oh yeah, Prince is having a party. Okay, cool, Prince is having a party. Uh, I think it was he the the parties would center on award season typically, and it, and yeah. big ones tended to be after the Oscars or the Golden Globes. I think he even did an Emmys party, yes. but. Uh, like it's, they, they ended up being, you know, the hottest ticket, you know, everyone went to, that went to the Oscars and went to the governor's ball and there was a handful of other kind of industry type parties, but everybody was trying to get the Prince ticket to come to the Prince party. And that was the jam that was happening. You know, the very last party that, that, that was going to go till six in the morning. Right. Um, so it was nuts. So I went to the first one, not knowing what to expect. And, you know, celebrity after celebrity and, and fan after fan and, and musician after musician came in and he had the instruments set up and Prince performed. But then these people would get on and, and perform. And it was just, you know, it was really cool. It was a it was a, 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 um, a really eclectic group of people. And I don't know if my pictures really do it justice, because part of it, too, is you don't get the full vibe. You know, the, the, the lighting was was mm-hmm. dark. It was moody. It was, you know, it was sexy in there. And, you know, the music was obviously great. And when I'm taking pictures, I had to use a little bit of flash to be able to, you know, have an image show up. Right. And so the, I feel like the pictures are a little bit too bright. They don't really capture the essence of, you know, how kind of smooth these uh, these these parties were. Right. Um, but they give you a glimpse, you know, as to who was there and, and kind of the fun that was, that was being had. And they were, they were, they were fantastic. And he ended up having quite a few of those parties. And even though every winter that he came back and rented a house, it ended up being a different house. He changed, mm-hmm. changed the address to 3121, which is the address of the original house that the, you know, that the parties right. happened at where, where they started. 
and see that's, you know, I became somewhat involved behind the scenes with One Night Alone and Musicology, but around the, what was going to be the 31-21 era, stuff started opening up for me. And also props to Ruth for these amazing celebrity-filled parties uh, yeah, for getting absolutely. this stuff done from her guest list, which sometimes had to be last minute, to having those big 31-21 candles or the little uh, star cookies and having vegetarian uh, plates. It was just so like mind boggling that you go into it and then you'd have on one side of the room, you'd have Sharon Stone, you'd have Justin Timberlake, Adam Levine. And these are all stars in our own right, but it always seemed like stars themselves were always star studded when it came to Prince, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. They were always, they, they were, um, uh, starstruck. And like you said, I mean, for me, the biggest example was, uh, he, he had a party at, uh, I think it was the Beverly Hills Hotel and, mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise was there and Jennifer Lopez was there and a ton of other people. And the second Prince walked in, they just became groupies and fans like everybody else. And it was just really kind of interesting and sweet to see because he has this aura of mystery around him. You know, he's not the guy that you see out and about all the time. So when you do have a Prince sighting, it's it's a pretty big deal. And even for these celebrities who, you know, in their own right are are huge and, and commanding, you know, uh, a big paycheck and, and grossing billions in box office, Prince walks in and, you know, they're um, they, they're reduced to to little children. I don't know if that's the, if that's the best way to describe it, but oh, I remember one time at the seventy-seven Beverly Park uh, one when he actually wasn't using the thirty-one twenty. Right before he took the stage, Dane Cook and Spike Lee were vying for who is going to be front and center in front of his microphone. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, uh, and that's always funny. The one person. And especially you see it in the photos that you took. The one person that seems that Prince was starstruck by was Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, him being such a lifelong fan, especially when he was a teen, was there just certain things you saw? Because I see some photos where he looks like he's serenading Joni with a guitar and some other things. Yeah, he uh, well, he was a lifelong fan. Mm hmm. Uh, and if I ever saw him really kind of uh, fanboy over anyone, it was Joni Mitchell. He just had a, a, an immense respect for her and love for her. Uh, and so she could do no wrong. So there's a picture. I think that picture is in the book where, you know, they didn't want people to smoke inside the, the house or near the house or anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of Joni with her hands up. And she, you look closely. She's got, I think, a cigarette in them. And Prince had shown up and caught her, and she's like, "Okay, you caught me <laughs> smoking near you." And you know, and it was Joni, and he couldn't tell her to stop. He just was like, "Well, you know, I want you to be healthy, and I'm worried for you, and right. and so on." But it, he didn't he didn't admonish her for for smoking on the premises the, like he would have anyone else that was that might have been doing it. Right, and I know there may be a photo that you have of me next to Prince and Tamar. But I'm kind of to the side. It was. Oscar night and he was just coming through the back entrance kind of like for the patio he just came oh, through there oh, yeah. yep um he I don't understand 
I know he didn't know who I was at the time, but I know he'd see me at these events and knew I was a fan. But he was nudging me really hard. And for, you know, someone of his stature, you you kind of feel it. It's like he was trying to get me to turn, and I just wouldn't. And then I saw the flash go off. So there Hilarious. might be a photo that you have. Okay, I got I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll find it and send it to you. Oscar night 2006. Okay, um, so I'm jotting it down right now. <laughs> thank you. And what I thought was amazing, just because, you know, when Tamar was first starting to play, I first saw her at the Roxy. That's where I met your your lovely wife for the first time, was at the Roxy Tamar show well, with Ruth. And yeah. it was just interesting. It was just funny. We're, we had a few little inside jokes at that time. And mm-hmm. um, when I went to the house and was seeing him perform, it's like I wanted to take everything in because – I was there to see it to be rewarded for helping out with stuff with 3121. But at the same time, I was supposed to be reporting on it. So when Tamar would be doing certain songs that I knew, I would walk around and then you'd see. So this is what I understand is you have your camera and you're seeing a moment you want to take it. Cause there was Chris Rock with Ludacris playing pool with Wendy, you right. know? Like, it's just one of those scenes you're like, oh, man, I got to take a photo of this. So I'm, I'm right. very really grateful. Bizarre. Huh? <laughs> really bizarre connections and moments, definitely. Right. I'm just so grateful that you were there to take these photos because we weren't allowed to have cameras in it. You know, we were, we were going to be admonished, right. you know. Right. Uh, right. But did you ever did you ever play pool at the table against someone like, say, like Chris Rock or... Uh, I did, you know. Oftentimes, I'd be there early enough, and before much was happening, I would play. I would play pool with Prince all the time, and he always beat me. Um, and I was, I fancied myself a, a good pool player. I actually, was he was just he was just better. The first time I played him, I thought, oh, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't beat him too bad, or you know, <laughs> maybe I should actually let him win. Uh, that's what I thought to myself, and and he beat the pants off of me. So then after that, it was on, and I just would try really really hard to beat him, and and never could so um i i attribute my my pool skills to misspent youth uh couldn't probably say the same for prince because because he makes um use of all his time i haven't seen someone so prolific uh as him ever right i think he kind of took it easy the first time we were playing ping pong but when i slammed the ball they went oh okay I'm yeah. <laughs> so it's like bowling, pool, ping pong, basketball. It's like this right. guy can do anything. It was ridiculous. Roller, roller skating. <laughs> yeah. See, nah. I, 12 years old was the first and last time I ever went roller skating. I, I think I broke my butt that day. So that wasn't happening. So he would have me on that anytime. Now, <laughs> what made you, um, there were certain times like these house parties were quite fun. You know, it seemed like he can somewhat be himself. I know that there's one time when he did the 3121 listening party and there was a bunch of record execs in there and they were just kind of asking those record exec questions. And it was the night before the Grammys. It put him in a really foul mood, but it seems like a majority of the time he had a lot of fun at these parties. But something that was interesting that grabbed me one of the photos you took of him that's a close-up of his piano, of the symbol on the piano at the 77 Beverly Park address, where you're talking about this being like a 35,000-square-foot house, and you kind of felt yeah. sad for him. Did you, did you feel sometimes um, that Prince was lonely? 
sometimes, not all the time, okay. you know, and I, and I feel like it was by choice. I, I guess that, that would be a better assessment is that it was by choice uh, because he could have a ton of people around him. It was just a matter of wh- whether he felt connected to those people or not. Right. So I wouldn't, char- I wouldn't characterize him as a lonely person overall, but we all go through different periods of our, of our life or, or even within a week, you know, the, the ups and downs that we have. Uh, it just struck me that day because it was just this, this enormous house and he was the only one in it. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, what, what is that like, uh, to be like that? And, you know, I, I guess I put myself in his position and, and, you know, thought that, that we would, I would feel lonely in in such a big space with, with no one else there. Um, but that shoot was, yeah, it was interesting. He, he was just really calm and mellow and, uh, and we, we shot that. He made me tea. Like even people that, you know, to, he had around typically, um, whether they were the chefs or whoever weren't there. So it was just extra, extra bizarre for me that it was no one else in the house except the two of us. Right. Just thought that was an interesting aspect. Just wanted to see about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how do I put it? What made you like, cause some people come to me. You know, like, I'm going to have the answer for everything. They're like, why do you think he included photos of him and Manuel or whatever? I'm like, that was a part of his life, and he was able to capture it, and it just showed something genuine and something special. Like, Mm -hmm. have you been critiqued for any of the photos that you use? Because I know sometimes people on social media aren't exactly, they're quite blunt, you know? Right, right. Uh no one's critiqued me directly, but I did see a, a, a couple of comments, and I was surprised by them. But I saw a couple comments where they were talking about, "Oh, I see that you know there's pictures of of uh, Prince and Manuela in his book. I just canceled my order," is what they said. And then someone else replied, "Yeah, me too. I just saw that and I canceled." And you know, I didn't. I, I chose not to reply. I had replied to one person earlier, and and mm-hmm. and I know I made a mistake and I shouldn't engage, you know, people have a right to their opinion. Um, and so I didn't engage these people, but it made me sad that not cause they decided not to buy my book, but that, you know, something as simple as two images in a book would get them so riled up and so, uh, full of angst that, you know, they felt both they had to post about it, but then to take, you know, <laughs> another step of action and, I don't right. get it. Manuela has always been sweet to me. They had a relationship. Prince loved her. Um, you know, we all as humans go through through a lot of changes in our lives, and uh, you know, not everything is is in compact, nice little boxes. You know, things get messy at times. Right. So, uh, but you know, I, I have a deep respect for her, and and of course, I was going to include those images. I mean, those were you know, to get the true essence of who Prince was, you right. know, she was a huge part of his life. At that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I originally, you know, when we first, when you first were contacting me privately that you were going to do this book and whatnot. And then all of a sudden I see on Amazon it's up, but with the cover for musicology and you immediately hit me up like, man, you're still on top of stuff, but that's not the cover that I want or the cover that I chose. What, right. what made you decide on the, the photo that you chose to be the cover? Uh, well first 
like I, I wasn't happy with that other cover at all. And mm. and no disrespect to my publisher, but I told him that from the beginning. I'm like, there's no way this is going to be the cover. And they even had suggested a name and and the, the but everything about the font and the graphics. I'm like, there's nothing about this that speaks to me or speaks of Prince. You know, aside from the fact that you have one of my pictures of Prince, and I really like that image. But I wanted I wanted something different that people hadn't seen before. Something that was still recognizable as Prince, but for for fans, you know, the publisher is looking at at how do we sell the most number of books? Here's a recognizable right. picture of Prince. This will sell it. And I'm thinking, what would the fans really enjoy? What would they? Um, what would speak to them? Uh, and so they ended up putting that image up online, saying, "Well, we need to announce the book and put something." And and they assured me that the second we agreed on a cover, that they would change it. Mm-hmm. So I let it happen. Uh, you know, in in retrospect, and now that I've learned a little bit about the, the, the publishing uh, industry, uh, I may not have. I may have just said, no, let's, let's hold back until we have a, you know, a cover that I approve of that we like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that image, I always loved that image. It was, it was a, just, it was an impromptu. And you hit it, uh, you hit the nail on the head earlier. Most of what we did was very impromptu. There was not a lot of forward planning um, for the photo shoots or the images that were taken. It was kind of fun and exciting. And that was one of those images where there was no planning. I was literally standing um, while the crew was loading in and Prince just popped up from nowhere and and said to me, what do you got? Meaning, you know, do you have a place you want to shoot? And I didn't, but there's Prince looking pretty fly. And, and and I saw the uh, the empty trailer tractor trailer, and I'm like, "How about there?" And he said, "Okay." And he went in there. He stood. I picked up my camera, and you know, I shot maybe six shots in there, and right. and that was one of them. And I really, I just, I, the, both him standing in it, but also the sitting shot where he's in a chair. I really loved. I like the starkness of it. It almost feels like a black and white image, even though it's not. Uh, and it's and it took on more meaning for me because if you look at it now, uh, Prince is standing in the middle. It's dark around him, and then the walls of the of the trailer kind of come out at you, and they're white. And to me now, they they look like wings. They it, to me, he looks like an angel standing there with um with those walls as his as his wings. So that's what I think of when I when I look at it. Right, and it's a brilliant, amazing book. I cannot stress that enough. Is this is the book's release and everything that's been going on, is it helping with your grieving process at all? Uh, yeah, the, the whole, really it was, it was making the book that really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still have days as I'm sure a lot of people do where, where I really miss him. I think for me, a lot of it is just that it just doesn't make sense that, that he's gone. Right. So, so, you know, I, I hear his music, you know, whether I put it on or I'm listening to the radio or it comes on there, you know, his music is always with us and, and that's always sweet. And sometimes it makes me smile and sometimes uh, it makes me sad. And the day the book released was, you know, I thought it would be an exciting day. It was a really sad day for me because it was just kind of the, the culmination of all of all of that. And, and so the book was released, but I think a lot of the, the tension that I had about it uh, and the sadness that I had around him being gone just all came out that day as well. So it was a it was a pretty emotional 
uh, day and everyone else was kind of celebrating it and, you know, and I, and I tried to be cheery and happy, but, but, you know, I went through a lot that day. Now, another interesting photo that I enjoyed in the book, just wondering if you can remember anything. I know it's hard, like the one photo of him, um, in black with the polka dots, I think it was taking a butter where he's kind of smiling and you're just randomly mm-hmm. taking photos of him. Do you remember yeah. anything from that shoot at all? Well, yeah, I mean, that was, that was at Butter, uh, in New York. Yeah, in New York. Uh, it was the downstairs room and we were just sitting, chilling out. Um, and I think, like, I think Morris Day was there. I know Lenny Kravitz had been there earlier. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think to his left, John Blackwell was there, who, who I miss dearly too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, and he was just in a great mood. He was contemplative and, and funny and, you know, we were talking about all all kinds of things, and I had, you know, obviously I have my camera with me whenever, <laughs> whenever I'm around. So, so I took those pictures, and you know, he's comfortable enough that you know it was no big deal. Um, I really like those. I don't know. There's something, uh, something about those, and there's two or three more too that aren't in the book that are just from that set. And you know, I would just randomly take a shot here, here and there as as we were chatting, but. Uh, I don't know what else I can tell you about it, except it just, it, it was a really cool night and he was just so relaxed and, and kind of sharing his wisdom with us. So it was very special. Right. And now something early on that he told you, kind of want to talk about, like he was asking you why you're giving away the photos for free. <laughs> yeah. And tell us a little bit behind the scenes of that. Well, I mean, that's, that's his, his business sense that, you know, what's very cool about Prince was that he was really business savvy. There's so many artists that are great, uh, you know, creatives. Uh, but then when it comes to the business of, of what they do, they have no idea. And so they get taken advantage of. And I think perhaps Prince had been taken advantage of too, at some point or another. And so that made him, uh, more savvy and and gave him the wisdom and, and made him think about it. And so he tried to share that with us, the people around him, whether it was, you know, me as a photographer, the other young musicians uh, that were working with him. So I would take pictures and then I would service them, you know, besides the music club, whatever local papers that weren't allowed to have their photographers there, I would provide them images so they could write a review and, and put the pictures in their papers and whatnot. And Prince said, why, why are you giving them away? I'm like, well, that's, you know, I'm doing it for you. So you have this publicity, uh, and he's like, I said, I could put him on wire image or, or AP and then, you know, there'd be a little bit of money. And he's like, why would you do that? Why don't you make your own wire image? Why don't you make your own AP? And I'm like, well, nobody's going to come to me just for some pictures. They're going to go to wire image that has a, this established reputation and, and you know, a plethora of other images. And he's like, no, they'll come to you because I'm Prince. <laughs> and he didn't say it in a cocky way. Right. He just said it in a matter of fact way. Like, l- look at what you're doing. Don't take for granted where you are and what you're doing. Uh, and think outside the box. Right. So it, w- it was impactful it, at that moment. And then so many of, of the lessons that, that he tried to teach me, um, 
you know, are have hit me over the course of time. Where at the at the time, similar to, similarly to how our parents tried to give us wisdom and we didn't really listen then, but then later on, we're like, oh, okay, this is why they told us this, or this is why this makes sense. Similarly to what what Prince tried to to teach me and and others around him, a lot of that wisdom, you know, is is opening up in in my mind now when it when it didn't at the time. Right, and then you made sure with the book that the Ford was by. Beyonce. I know when you were originally talking about it, you're like, what do you think about getting Beyonce? And I'm like, oh, how about Dave Chappelle? I really think you made the right decision with Beyonce for the reasons that you said of her being able to attract a new and younger audience to Prince. Yeah, I think, you know, again, and I think part of it was the impossible dream. It seemed like, okay, who's who's bigger than Beyonce musically, uh, you know, in, in, in pop culture right now? So, one, it was honoring Prince, which, you know, always dreamed the impossible or the big dream. Um, and so I said, Beyonce, okay, now let's figure out how, how we can get Beyonce to do this. And luckily that wasn't difficult because it was a book about Prince and she admired Prince uh, immensely and looked up to him, you know, in so many ways. And knowing and having listened to Prince talk about Beyonce, I felt confident that it was a good choice and, and one that he would have been happy with. And and I've said, you know, had we been making the book together while he was alive and I had suggested, what do you think about Beyonce? I feel like he would have picked up the phone and made the call himself. Right. So I felt great about it. I know there was, uh, you know, when you talked about, is there people giving me, you know, any, any issues on social media? I know a lot of people questioned why Beyonce and, and, those people didn't necessarily have uh, le- like legitimate reasons. They were just being nasty, you know. Uh, so I didn't I didn't listen to that because I know that Prince looked at her as as a as a talent and as someone that you know had the same type of work ethic that that he did. You know, you'd have to be uh, you'd have to have that to be in her position. So I feel confident. And then ultimately, it was. So a younger generation would look, you know, who looks up to her, uh, would hopefully become curious about who Prince is. Like, okay, this this lady that we look up to and admire admires somebody else. Let's find out about him. You know, let's right. listen to his music. So I didn't expect necessarily that having her on the book is going to sell more books. But what I had hoped for, and what I still hope for, is that her attachment to it will pique the curiosity of of a younger generation to listen to Prince. Now, one of the things I remember was late March, early April 2016. It was like shooting of the season finale of Blackish. And I think Anthony Anderson thought Prince may be in town. And you were reaching out to me just to invite Prince to the set of Blackish to see Yara and all them. And we're trying to figure it out, get Kirk Johnson in contact with you. It seems, though, from the beginning, that he was a big fan of Yara. Like, after he saw her in the movie with Eddie Murphy, was, I kind of got uh, contacted, like, uh, you, you going to see that movie and do a little post about it? <laughs> so he was kind of, like, nudging me on that. So He pressured you to, to, to post about it. That's hilarious. Yeah, he he uh, he rented out a theater when the movie came out. You know, a few nights, and whoever was around at Paisley Park, he'd make him go to the theater with them to watch, uh, awesome. to watch this movie, which I thought was, uh, you know, the the kindest, sweetest thing. And and Yara got a really big kick out of it. So she he he's always been very 
supportive of my family and he's been supportive of so many other people and their families and you know has given so much of himself um beyond what he's given musically you know to the world so right uh, it's it, it feels it feels very special that 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 he took that that kind of liking you know to my family uh and then continued even after I stopped working with them, you know, he would stay in touch and ask, you know, and ask me how they were. And, and then he stayed in touch with Yara and, and told her that he loved her character on the show Blackish. So, right. um, you know, we always had that connection. There was always, I think maybe like, like twins, um, where they always kind of have a sense and know where each other is, even if, if they haven't talked to each other for a while. I always had a sense of, of where Prince was in the world, you know, right. and what he was doing. Uh, even if we hadn't been working or talking, you know, within the last uh, few weeks or whatever. So that's that's the other part of that loss that I really feel with him oh, being gone God. because he was almost like, you know, like my family and my wife is an anchor. He was almost a, an anchor out there in the world that, that I knew was there and would always be there. Right. Now, I know that you were able to return to Paisley, I believe, in April, if not before then. Were you able to go into his office and get a private view and kind of see Yara's photo there? I did. I went. I went back to Paisley okay. when his family put a had a memorial service. Uh-huh. So I, I was blessed to to be invited and to go to that. And you know, obviously, that was really tough and emotional. And to be inside Paisley Park for the first time without him there uh, was was a bit overwhelming. Uh, and I, and I got to go into his office and it, they had left it exactly the way it was on the day that he passed away. And yeah, there was, there was a picture of Yara on his desk and, you know, that, <laughs> that got me very emotional too, that, you know, still after all these years, he, you know, he cared and thought about, uh, thought about us. Right. Now, what... Before we get into the other books and hoping that there will be more books, what other projects are you going to be doing that are upcoming? I believe you have something with uh, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, it's it's not with Colin per se, although uh-huh. uh, he will be involved and we'll interview him. But I'm I'm co-directing, and part of the reason why I'm in Washington D.C. right now is because it's it's to work on this documentary. But I'm co-directing a documentary. Uh, with with this phenomenal artist Glenn Kino, who is uh, internationally co- collected and revered artist, um, who has been doing an art collaboration with Tommy Smith. And for anyone that doesn't know, Tommy Smith or Dr. Tommy Smith uh, was the 1968 Olympic gold medalist in track and field at the Mexico City Games. Who, after winning the gold medal, uh, while he was on the stand, you know, and they played the national anthem, he raised he raised his fist. Yeah. Um, and it was looked at uh, as a as a black power salute, but really, um, it was uh, it was a protest against against the social injustices and the poverty that were prevalent in the United States, especially for African American people. So, uh, we've been collaborate collaborating with him, and we just got uh, John Legend and Jesse Williams on as executive producers, and we'll go into full production in January. But that's a documentary that we're working on that will be done by next October, which will be the 50, 50 year anniversary of, of that salute that Dr. Tommy Smith did the, um, at the Olympic games. Crazy. So that's the, the other main project that, that, you know, is, is consuming um, my time and energy besides obviously, you know, having a family. 
right. which is fantastic. Yeah. Now, I'm hoping for a re-release or something of the Prince in Hawaii book and the Tiamo Corazon book, which was extremely limited, I believe, supposed to be only for cast members. But even that book, I enjoyed, and the closeness that you were able to get to him and the approachability was amazing. Now, running uh, the Dr. Funkenberry website, Prince would send me a lot of photos, of course, First, he wasn't crediting you when I would get it, but it'd be really amazing photos, one with him inside his limo and then an extreme close-up shot. But a lot of these images that were sent to me and whatnot weren't in this book, so I know that you have, you probably have a lot more material to make another book, correct? I do, yeah. It, you know, for me, um, I, I pared down the thousands of images to 10,000 images, and then I pared mm-hmm. that down to 2,500 images. And out of that 2,500, you know, I was able to pull out this, the 250 or so images that made it into this book. So there are a lot that didn't make it into the book that I would have loved mm-hmm. to have shared. Um, I just, I couldn't have made a book that big. I don't think the right. publisher could have afforded to print a book that big. And it would have been cost prohibitive, I think, even for the fans. Um, uh, for them to put a, a book out that big. So I, I have enough material for another book and, and, you know, I would love to, to share that with people down the line. Um, the Hawaii book and the Te Amo book was never necessarily intended to be a, a book for, for, you know, mass release. That was just like a, a present for the people that were involved on the production, but there has been a lot of interest in that book. Uh, so I may look at doing uh, just a limited, limited edition uh, pressing of that book. The Hawaii book, I know that there's also uh, a demand for, and it's ridiculous, like you said, how much people are trying to charge for it on Amazon. Right. So just to even quell that, I want to put the book back out at, at a reasonable price, um, you know, that's fair. Uh, right. So. That's also in the works. How quickly that'll happen, I'm not sure, but it is something that, that I'm thinking about and trying to figure out what the best way to do that is. Awesome. And I know I'd always be trying to get you more work sneakily. I remember when he released uh, the image first for Dance For Me from Lotus Flower, but he was using the image that was used for the Sound Out Live uh, shot of his face with the hat. He's using that for Dance For Me, and I'm like, in my diagnosis, I was like, uh, apparently you need Afshin to take a few more new photos of you, man. Why are you using photos from three <laughs> years ago? You know. he, he liked that image a lot, though. That yeah. image keeps popping up, and it's the one that, that Paisley Park is now using for the um, for the I Am, uh, or what's their exhibit they're doing at the O2? My name is Prince. Yes. So... It, and it's an image that, that, that he really liked and that kind of spoke to him. And so I'm happy that that, that lives out there. And, I, and I'm happy that I've heard from so many fans telling me that that's their you know, ultimate favorite picture of Prince. Now, lastly, almost lastly, I can't believe you actually told Prince to dress down a little bit when <laughs> you were taking the passport photo of him. Like I, I did. I know. I couldn't believe I said it either. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, should I be saying this? But you know, we had a, we had an open enough relationship that that I I didn't think there'd be repercussions. But it's still, you know, as close as I was to Prince, it still wasn't lost on me that I'm hanging out with Prince. You know what I mean? So 
but I had to say it because I didn't want his 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 passport to be rejected. Um, right. So yeah, I told him I think you should I think you should change. <laughs> you know what's said, interesting okay. in the nineties, I believe his passport photo was the cover for the I hate you single where he had a little bit of the glitter on his side, but it was yeah. him actually looking at the camera. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, here's the thing. Ultimately, I think whoever would have gotten Prince's application and gotten uh-huh. that picture, let it through because it's Prince. Yeah. I just didn't want to take a chance of it being rejected based on the picture that I took. Right. <laughs> So I just wanted to I just wanted to play it safe. But going back to I Hate You, that was one of the videos that I worked on. And I love that video. Yeah. I love it. I, and this I love the song and I love the video. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's yep. so much great stuff in that vault. And the videos especially. I really would love an ultimate video collection, not just of the stuff that's been on YouTube, but the rare mm-hmm. stuff like I Hate You and a few other things would be quite amazing to me. Um, that would and, be fantastic. and I hope that they do that. And I hope they are able to make this second book. People, please make sure, even if you bought the book already or bought two copies, you have the holidays coming up. If you celebrate or some other things, if you don't know to get somebody, get them this book. It's a stocking stuffer for sure. So just try to keep expanding Get the word out, keep Prince's legacy alive. And this book is a great representation of that. Um, I can't recommend it enough. If you get it for yourself, get it for your friends is all I can recommend. And thank you, Jeremiah. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. And ultimately I hope, you know, I hope the book makes you smile and and and, and bring happy thoughts uh when you think of Prince. And thank you so much for you know, mentioning me in the book. I really appreciate it. That was amazing. Afshin, thank you so much. I hope that we're able to have you on again, talking about other projects, the other book. Um, Thanks again for your time. Very cool. Thank you. And everyone, thank you so much again for listening, for telling people about us, for subscribing on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbay FM, viewing it on YouTube. Thank you so much, Afshin. Thank you, everyone else. Keep it funky. Till next time. Show me what you got. 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 Show